Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You with the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. All right, guys, we are back. We are back with a special guest. Very special guest. We're talking tight end prospects today. Like I said, very special guest in the house. Director of football, NFL draft analyst at our friends at playerprofiler.com. Someone who has quickly become, to be honest, one of my favorite people in the industry. Cody Carpentier, welcome, my friend. Welcome to the podcast. What's up, Faraz, man? I appreciate that, as always. Uh, seeing you down at the Senior Bowl is always a good time, and I've been following you on Instagram for what feels like, I feel like prior to me even elevating and player profiler, so I respect your game, and I appreciate you as well. Thanks, man. Um, and, and I don't want to you know, speak out of, be out of pocket here, Cody, but I, I think this time of year might be your favorite, right? And it's, it's really based on the exuberance and how much you know content you've been putting out all the guest appearances that you've had and it seems like you're just you know you have an overall excitement level that you know can't be compared to you know a lot of other people that you've showed throughout this entire draft process which started early this year you know like you said the senior bowl like you've been on the pulse dude and when i saw you at the senior bowl that's early in the process for me personally right uh but it was apparent that you kind of already knew what's up with a lot of these prospects even at that point yeah, that, I mean, this is 100% my favorite time of season and time of year, whatever. Um, in the season, I do a lot of NFL stuff and a lot of behind the scenes stuff. I play a profiler and just kind of, it's just more so just like the grind to get through those 18 weeks. Um, but this is my favorite time, 100%, because you could dive into these new dudes and you get uh, January, February, March, April, May, five full months to really hit it from the front to the back. And, uh, I don't know. It's uh, I don't know why. I guess I'd say why it's my favorite time of year. Why the rookies and the prospects are always what I've what I've, I've garnered to. But it's been like this forever as long as I've been a fan of football. So, uh, but yeah, I, the Senior Bowl. We talked about the Senior Bowl. That is, I think, the most important piece to the pie. Uh, going through all these prospects and going through the the off season because it gives you a, a wide variety of, of prospects. They're all seniors, obviously, but they're all in a different space where you get the Michael Wilsons that are coming in with injured career or you have a Jaden Reed that maybe should have came out last year, things like this. I, I think that is like the best event ever. So uh, it's always good to see you down there. Yeah, man. I love the senior bowl. It's so much fun. And the amount of access you get is, is really cool, man. Like, and you know, they were, you know, senior bowl is probably the first event I've ever got credentials for, you know, like la- I think it was like last year, the year before. And, you know, it just felt good. You know, <laughs> like, it's just like, this is so cool, man. Like, and I know a lot of these guys, like, you know, when you see them in the NFL, like, you know, last year you saw, you know, Damian Pierce and a bunch of these guys go in and have success. And you're like, you know, and and a, a huge percentage of the players that were taken uh, in the top 100 were from the senior bowl. It was almost half, wasn't it? If I'm not mistaken. I was going to say, I think there was a number that came out that like a hundred and I want to say it was like 106, 106 players in the entire draft out of 240 or whatever. Were from the senior bowl. 
that's almost 50 percent. it's about 40 percent. that's insane dude that's um, nuts so it's it's nuts and and you know it, it's cool though because you know you're there you're, you're looking at it you're the, basically the front line and you're seeing it all happen and, and you you can see these guys draft draft stock you know can you go up go down like right in front of your eyes so it, it's it's really cool to see and a lot of times you know especially someone like you who has an idea about these guys coming into the senior bowl you know, for you, it's probably you, you taking even more from it because you have all this context coming in um, and you can really tell whether, you know, certain guys you're like, hey, listen, I'm really curious to see what he's going to weigh in at. Right. Because I really like him as a running back, for example. But, you know, if, he, if he's if he's under or and if he goes over, you, you get even more excited. Right. Like, like I'm sure I know you were excited, about. It. I know we're not talking running backs in this particular podcast, but you're probably excited to see Rajon Johnson and that size. Right. And and he's somebody that like, again, we talked about him a bunch on this podcast um, and, I've, and I've raved about him since the senior bowl. But, you know, just someone like that. That's just one example uh, of these prospects that, you know, can potentially you know, take a huge step forward uh, because of a, of an event like the Senior Bowl. We are going to hit on one of the tight ends uh, that were at the Senior Bowl, uh, Luke Musgrave, a little bit later. Uh, and we'll talk about, you know, his process and how he was at the Senior Bowl. But I want to I want to get started, dude. Like, I want to first I want to mention the tight ends uh, and their draft capital, right? Uh, projected draft capital. And that's probably one of the most necessary things to talk about when projecting these guys, especially for fantasy. Right. And you, we have Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid. They're probably the consensus top two tight ends in this draft. Uh, you know, both have a solid chance of being drafted in the first round. Uh, these are my top two tight ends in this draft class. We have three potential second rounders, Darnell Washington, Sam Laporta, Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State. And then we have one projected third round pick in Tucker Craft out of SDSU, it's South Dakota. Uh, out of the FCS, uh, these are the guys I want to focus on. And, you know, we'll probably pick a, a day three guy or two to talk about, you know, just so we know the names of who to pay attention to as, you know, maybe some sleepers that come out of day three. Most likely not, but, you know, you never know. Um, now, I, I'm assuming, and I have no, I, Cody, and I purposefully did this, okay? I did not look at any of your tight end rankings. I know you know your stuff. And I've heard you talk about tight ends here and there, but I purposefully didn't look at anything. Okay. I yeah. saw you, were, I think you just did a podcast on tight ends with Thor a couple of days ago, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. I'm assuming Michael Mayer and Kincaid are your top tight end prospects. Is that correct? Or no? Michael Mayer is number one. And I've recently switched Kincaid to two over Musgrave. I had them back and forth uh, with a 733 and a 732 grade. Um, but the Kincaid news came out last week officially that is his medicals were all clear. Uh, and that bumped him up for me because I was worried about the back injury. And I, I we didn't have any context. Usually you have to wait for the NFL to kind of give you the green light. We got the green light. Kincaid's now number two. It is, I'm assuming he had more than a, a, more than one physical, but I saw that the one that the Bengals just did, uh, and he recently just cleared. So it seems yeah. like he's good to go. He had a, I think it was a, a lower back injury mm -hmm. um, that prevented him from competing at the combine, prevented him from uh, participating in any pro day. Uh, so that, that there's a little bit of a concern there. We don't have official numbers on any sort of athletic testing that he's done, and this is a very you know, after Mayer, we'll get to him. But after Mayer, this is a very athletic tight end class, extremely athletic tight end class. Um, do you think Kincaid would fall into that range uh, of these, like, you know, pretty elite athletes at the position? 
I think he would fall in there um, just based on his sheer size and what we saw on the field as far as the athleticism goes and the route running. Um, do I think he'd be, you know, top three, top four in athleticism? I don't know. You you kind of are asking that question yourself, but four sevens I think would be fine for a Kincaid. I think his route running says enough. It's kind of like similar to a cup or a Keenan Allen, right? The the route running is so good it doesn't really matter what his 40 is as long as it's not. 5.0 right but right. uh i think kincaid is an above average athlete to say the to say the least 94th percentile college dominator i know it doesn't have anything to do with athleticism but he did break out 19.9 like he's done the things that are there that are apparent of an athlete and of a an upper percentile tight end and that's why he's projected that way so i'm not as worried about not seeing the athleticism uh as i am of being 23 and a half years old or being 246 pounds instead of 255 pounds or just the back injury in itself. Like those things worry me a lot more than the athleticism because I think the athleticism is there. Now, Michael Mayer and Kincaid for me are, are pretty close. Um, yeah. But I want to hear what you have to say about both of these guys and, you know, who you'd prefer for fantasy purposes, right? Like, I, and I'm assuming the Mayer and in, in Mayer one at Kincaid two, is that also a fantasy situation as well where you're kind of saying that, okay, I think if I'm in a dynasty rookie draft, you know, I, if both these guys were taken pretty close to each other in the actual draft in the first round, mid to late first round, um, and then both of them are on the board, I need a tight end. You know, are you looking at both these guys at the, kind of in the same tier? Are you looking mayor for sure at in the first tier? You know, assuming both of them go in the first round, like who are you going after first? Um, are you definitely going after mayor in fantasy? In rookie drafts, I generally won't draft a tight end because normally they get drafted just a little too high for my tastings. I don't like that middle to second round tight end in fantasy. Um, but if there's a guy that I'm going to target, so for example, if you're in a draft and you get to the middle of the third, 302, 303, and people are just biting their tongue on tight end and Mayer's there, I'm going to take him. Or if Kincaid's there, I'm going to take him at that 3-2-3-3-3-4 spot. Um, out of the two, I prefer Mayer. He's got two years on him, but almost two years uh, full. He's 21.8 years old. He's got over 2,000 yards. They nicknamed him Baby Gronk for a reason. He's got 250-pound frame, uh, and the frame actually looks like it can fill out to be a 260, which would be uh, fun at the next level. I compared him to a Hunter Henry. We have him compared to a uh, Zach Ertz on player profiler. The athleticism is there with Michael Mayer, 4.70, 71st percentile, 40-yard dash, and he's upper percentile in everything. He's a 95th percentile college dominator, and back-to-back 800 yards seasons at Notre Dame mayor I think is one where the fatigue is kind of sitting in like we've seen this like we're not actually seeing it with Bijan but we've seen it with other players like you know Trevor Lawrence in the past they're like well what about Justin Fields like well Justin Fields was already in that conversation but with mayor right. it's like we've seen this guy just dominate and be him at Notre Dame with subpar quarterback play for so long that they're like yeah well this Kincaid kid looks good but my problem with Kincaid is like nobody's really factored in the back injury at all throughout this entire process and now i got of course we got the clear for it but i think that for me it's pretty clearly michael mayer ahead of kincaid in that aspect because of health because of just consistency of what you've seen there's also a couple good tight ends at utah too so it was impressive to see kincaid kind of take that next step up but i will say just overall as a prospect uh, i would prefer michael mayer in fantasy and in the nfl based on age size output and just everything that he brings to the table i think he's good uh in the run game i think he's uh he's he's not a driver he's not going to be dominant kind of like a darnell washington but i think he's got great awareness he's got sick ball magnet ability and i think that he just overall as a prospect is much better than kincaid where i know a lot of people are having this conversation right now kincaid versus mm-hmm. mayor kincaid versus mayor because kincaid's such a great route runner but we're playing tight end man we're not playing wide receiver and i want the tight end michael mayor 
Yeah, no, I hear that. And I think I agree with that mayor is definitely the safer option, right? So this guy can come on the field and, you know, be on the field on every down, right? And he's that type of complete tight end. And Kincaid, I, I think, you know, if you're if I'm looking at the guy who could potentially have a higher ceiling in the receiving game, I'm probably going to pick uh, Kincaid there. Uh, you know, if you look at big plays, you know, Kincaid was a guy who's pretty good, you know, in terms of like, you know, he had a higher percentage uh, of big plays compared to Mayer. His, his A dot was definitely higher. Um, and Mayer did less after the catch as well. That's one thing I look at, you know, when projecting tight ends, what can they do after the catch? And, you know, Mayer, you know, he's a, he's a above average athlete. And in these type of, you know, in this draft, you're like, you know, you're, you're looking at these uber athlete tight ends. So this is not a typical draft, right? Where you have like the, the ranges all over the place. In this draft, literally the first, the, the tight ends that are, who are going to be drafted, you know, after Mayer are like freaks, dude, like from rounds two to four, right? So that, it makes Mayer not look as good. But at the same yeah. time, all you need at the tight end position is a above average athleticism. If you're going to be a very good tight end, the, the elite athleticism can come into play. You know, and that's that's one of the things that I, I do look for. But like you said, Mayer's the better blocker, right? There's a chance that he gets on the field sooner on an every down basis. I think that I like that too, because you, you bring up the athleticism thing with the rest of the class. And it's like I love throwing those darts. And I've done a no a number of rookie mocks uh over the last month, and you consistently see like Tucker Craft fall out yeah. of the draft or Koontz go in the last round or who you name it, they're in like the last round or undrafted, and there's a boatload of them. Like normally you're yeah, not going to see four four or five tight ends get drafted in these mocks and these rookie drafts. So I think you're going to consistently be able to get those dart throws, and that may deter people from saying, "Well, I'm not going to draft Mayor in the second or third. Why would I do that? Let me just wait till the fifth or right free agency, and I'm just going to snag whoever I want." Right. I, I do think there is a big teardrop though between after these two guys. Like I, I think if I'm gonna shoot for tight, if I need a tight end, I, obviously we're not talking tight end premium or anything like that. But yeah. you know, in, in a normal league, you know, I do want to shoot for one of these two guys. I think everybody else after them are kind of a little bit of dart throws. Like if Kraft is being, if Tyler Kraft is being, you know, undrafted in a lot of rookie drafts, like. That that listen, I'll take a shot on him, you know, with 100%. my last pick for sure, right? And and we'll get to him in a second. Um, now, just last couple of things on these two guys, you know, for those who are interested in, in terms of efficiency, both these guys were extremely efficient last year. Two point four four yards per route run for Mayer compared to two point two point four two for Kincaid last year. That would rank first and second, respectively, in the Power Five, assuming we're including Notre Dame in there. Um, and those two seasons in yards per route run were top twenty in that metric since 2014 among tight ends with similar volume. I think I did it with 50-plus targets. Um, even in 2021, 1.99, 2.09 yards per round run, respectively. So, you know, these two guys are pretty good, right? That's why they're in a similar tier for me. Now, you mentioned, you know, good tight ends at Utah. You know, there was a, a Utah tight end who got hurt that kind of opened the door for Kincaid to run some more routes and stuff like that. But, like I mentioned, 2021, he was already kind of, be, you know, uh, knocking the door down in terms of efficiency. So it's possible that he would have got it done either way, um, which is good. And then you mentioned the, the, the an extra year of mayor, right. With that production, right. That's another thing, right. Kincaid was very efficient, but like mayor had the production to go along with the efficiency yeah. two years in a row, uh, big time uh, production. Right. So, you know, I, I think, I think at, at that point, you know, you kind of like, all right, well, safer option mayor, I would say, upside option Kincaid but at the end of the day it's like if, if you're going to take uh, a chance on any rookie tight end 
in in rookie drafts, like you might want to just go with the safer option in Mayer. So now, like I mentioned, you know, three potential second round picks, right? Darnell Washington out of Georgia, Sam Laporta out of Iowa, Luke Musgrave, who you have borderline. He seems like he's your, you know, two B, you mm-hmm. know, to your two A uh, in Kincaid. Um, and he's out of Oregon State. Now, assuming all those guys go in the second round, Luke Musgrave is the guy who stands out to you. So why is yeah. that? Why do you like him over Darnell Washington? And, you know, the guy who I have next is Sam Laporta. So I'm, I'm really curious to, to, to hear what you think about uh, why, why, you know, why you like Musgrave over him. I have, yeah, I have Musgrave and then Laporta, but I also have Laporta and Kraft very close to each other, but I do have a tier okay. break after Musgrave. I have Musgrave up in that. Um, it's actually a Michael Mayer tier, Kincaid Musgrave tier. That's kind of how Got I have it. it laid out. But uh, Musgrave, I guess the big thing for him, it, it is kind of a, a projection when you look at it on its face. 47 receptions, 633 yards over his entire career at Oregon State, which is less than ideal. He's obviously battled through some injuries, but I think Musgrave's going to be a problem in the NFL. I think he's going to reel in eight-plus touchdowns multiple times. Like I compare, I compare him to Kyle, Kyle Rudolph. Um, he doesn't do a lot uh, after the catch, and Rudolph, I grew up watching the Vikings. Rudolph was a guy that was a massive target, massive hands, a good, good tight end. It was a top 15 pick, I think, in the NFL draft in Notre Dame. And I don't think Musgrave's going to be that, but – you look at the top 15 fantasy seasons that Kyle Rudolph had. It was multiple. It was year after year after year. It was 8, 12, 13 random seasons where you're just like, oh, Rudolph finished up there? I was like, yeah, he did uh, because of consistency and because of the athleticism that he brings. Musgrave, 4'6", 140-yard dash, 80th percentile 40. Talking about athleticism and speed. This guy was a slalom skier in high school. Uh, he, he, I think he was a four-sport athlete going through. I think he lacks ability to create yak, like I said, and break tackles, but his lower half's a little tight. Um, I think he has the ability to to burst after catch, but it's just it's it's not ideal. It's not on the mayor and the Kincaid level of of after catch, and it's I mean mayor's not on the same level as Kincaid, but uh, mayor still was top five in yak, I believe, at the tight end position. I think he's a good hands catcher, even in contested areas in the middle of the field. Six six, two hundred fifty pounds. Like he's got the build, the prototype, uh, and his uncle Bill is in the NFL as an offensive coordinator, so it kind of runs in the genes. The thing with Musgrave though is it's a projection. I saw what I saw at the Senior Bowl, and that's why I kept that that kept that great on there i have Payne durham a little higher than some people do but again not everybody gets to go to the senior bowl so i have a different view on things it's kind of like you know you're gonna have a different view i think maybe i don't know when i talk about receivers today but i know a couple guys you like down there at the wide receiver position that some people maybe don't like on twitter because it's twitter and <laughs> that's just a different view that we get for going down to see these prospects uh in a different lens and so that's why musgrave does end up staying up into this conversation because he's 22 and a half years old he's also almost got a year on kincaid and i think he's got size i think he's got frame and i think he's got uh the intangibles and the traits to be and project as a tight end and that's a big thing at, at t- tight end and quarterback is you have to be able to project these guys because they're not all going to fit perfectly into whatever offense they get drafted to um and I think that's just kind of the way you have to deal with it. But Musgrave, I do think, is one that projects very well to the NFL if he can stay healthy. Yeah, man, that's why you're here. <laughs> because the, <laughs> the position is extremely tough to project, you know, to the next level. You know, quarterback, I think, is probably the toughest. I think tight end is is, yeah. is the is the next toughest after that. I, you know, quarterbacks, I needed to have some people on for that podcast for sure. You're here. <laughs> you know, I, I think I can handle running backs. I think I'll be all right there. Uh, you know, wide receiver, I think I'll be okay. Uh, I have a very special guest for wide receivers next week, guys. Just 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 letting you guys know. You could probably guess who that who that might be. Uh, but you know, I'll say this, man, like. The tight end position, like you said, like there's a lot of tight ends that we've seen in the past, 30, 40, 50, 
and that's good career receptions in college right yeah. and the, and and a lot of the times they're sitting behind another good tight end right and you know and we'll talk about that with Darnell Washington right sitting behind Brock Bowers right it's like this dude is going to be one of the best tight ends we've seen coming out in a long time he's going to come out next year uh you know he's just a beast you know all everything you're looking for in a tight end like he's one he's that dude right so and Washington he was a top 25 recruit out of high school, like he's ridiculously athletic, 6'7", 264. But his projection also based on that athleticism, all right? And that's all it is at this point. It's a projection. And apparently he has very good blocking skills. I saw, I think it was I think it was Zerline who said that he could potentially play tackle at some point uh, in the NFL. So that tells you how good his blocking skills are. That could propel him to becoming a top overall tight end in the league at some point. Uh, for fantasy, seems super risky. Not somebody that you should be drafting in, in your uh, rookie drafts or anything like that. I'm looking at Sam Laporta as a much safer pick, right? And than Washington, I think there's a clear, you know, tier gap after Laporta. But I want to hit on Washington first before we hit get Laporta, uh, get to Laporta. You know, is it possible that someone like Washington, who has, who we've seen create some big plays when he got some opportunity, right, on the field? It's not just about his blocking. He has good hands. Um, and he could potentially, you know, do some work in the NFL after a couple of years without having a lot of college production. Darnell's a tough one for me. I uh, was high on him early, and as the processes went on, I've I've just pulled back and pulled back and pulled back a little bit more. And you bring up the offensive line thing, and that is something at the NFL Combine that was discussed. Uh, in the stadium and outside the stadium at bars uh, was, uh, hey, where's Darnell Washington? And you're like, well, he just ran that 464, and he's, he's an incredible athlete, right? 6'7", 260. Yeah. Uh, but when you're sitting here talking to people that are uh, in the research part of these organizations and you go, I mean, he's a mismatch in the red zone. They go, is he? And you're like, I think he, I thought he was. And they're like, I'm not, I'm not afraid of him. I, I would, I mean, I, we're looking at him in offensive line. I was like, after that athleticism, you're still looking at him at offensive line. And they go, (laughs) yeah. And I said, okay, so do you draft him if he's an offensive line prospect for you? And they said, no, you can't draft him if you think he's an offensive line prospect. And that like, it kind of like was one of those, like, like it blew up my mind thinking that they would take a prospect like Darnell Washington with the, with the athleticism frame that he has and just say, well, he's a tackle and we're going to make him a tackle. And it kind of, that's like a three, four year project. Uh, there was a big guy, I was like Babatunde Agabusi that they brought over from right. like uh, Australia, right? And he tried to make him play tackle, and it was it didn't work. And it was a multi-year project. And this is Darnell Washington, who's a, a coveted prospect coming out of high school to play tight end. Played with right. Brock Bowers at Georgia. And yeah, he didn't have a 1,000 yards in his career there, but he was still like a dominant tight end with athleticism. And then I go to the pro day, and the pro day really is what deterred me. I had him up to tight end three, tight end four conversation, and I plummeted him all the way down to eight right now. And why is he at eight? Because of the, the offensive line conversation. Again, he's a great blocker, great blocker. Yeah, but so is Mercedes Lewis. And then I go to the Georgia Pro Day, and I got to give a shout-out to Stetson Bennett because Stetson Bennett made him look great in the receiving right. part of the, of the drills. But everything that he wasn't doing when it wasn't him t- trying to catch the football, when he was just going around, walking around, in and out of breaks and things like this. It was just like this very – it wasn't what I saw on tape. It wasn't the athleticism that you see of him leaping over dudes at this massive body frame. He looked like an old dude. He looked like an old man. Mm. And, it, and it was like 
he's again, you have to take into account that this guy is 280 probably in the season. He's six, seven, six, eight. He is a right. redonkulous shaped size person. It's like nothing yes. you've seen before, but it's almost too big. And it that's, is, it that, is almost too big. That's what went into my brain. I was like, he's almost too big. You could see like, and it's one of those weird things. It's like, if you either can see it or you can't, to me, it looked like he was like in pain the whole time. Oh and my I, goodness. And, he, and like, I'm like, I don't know. I just, it just pushes me away from things like that. Um, but I think what I saw on tape, I love that Darnell Washington, but through this process, like I said, the conversations at the combine and everything from the pro day, it really just deterred me back. So I, I want to know where you have him because I know a lot of people are still high on him. Um, I think I might be the lowest out of a lot of people, but I have also seen him at a couple different venues and talked to a couple different people. So. Yeah, he's also outside of my top five as well. I mean, again, you know, after after the few of the guys we're talking about, it's not worth taking any sort of risk in in especially in dynasty rookie drafts, which is really the lens that I'm trying to look at this look at this into. And you know, just for context, guys, I know a lot of people might not be familiar with how big these tight ends are, but for context, like most of these other prospects are six five, six six, around two fifty. Okay, and this guy measured in at the combine probably after losing some weight at six seven two sixty four. Okay, so he's probably, like you said, not walking around at 265, right? He's probably walking around a lot heavier than that. And with the context of how he would, was actually looking like at the pro day, that's, that's really good context right there. So it seems to me like, you know, if this guy was like just freaking out at his pro day, you know, I think we would have heard about it. And I think there's a reason why we didn't hear about it. Yeah, I, it's and I hate to be like negative on him or anything, but like it's sure. it's just one of those things. Like you did, like Stetson Bennett was putting balls in great spots for him, but they weren't. It wasn't like this. I, I don't know who really to compare it to. It like it wasn't like popping off the screen, kind of like what you mm -hmm. would expect out of a guy that ran a four six four at two hundred and sixty five pounds. And, like it just wasn't. And he kind of he kind of needs that, right? Like in order to for for people to really understand who he is, right? Because yeah. if you're going to stand out as a tight end cuz he's he can't stand out as a lineman right now, right? So if he's going to stand out as a tight end, he needs to pop, dude, especially yeah. you know with the size that he has and and that tweener, you know, that he's kind of being labeled as right now. So that's you know, it's funny because like the tweener that we talk about tight end is usually between wide receiver and tight end <laughs> and not tight end and lineman, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah man so okay so let's move on i want to talk about laporta here man 50 plus catches each of the last two years um fifth in the power five each of the last two years in yards per route run among the 15 tight ends each year who had 50 or more targets very good out for the catch uh even though there were some questions around his ability there but you know he's a very good athlete probably the fastest tight end you know who'll be taken in the first three rounds i would say assuming that you know washington gets taken later you know this dude was a former wide receiver you know, he runs, you know, better routes and a more variety of routes than typical tight ends. And I think there's a lot of pass catching upside here. Uh, keep in mind that he might not be the, the, you know, the explosive play type of guy, right? He had the lowest rate of 15 or more yard catches uh, among these day one and day two projected tight ends. So interesting to, to hear what you have to say about Laporta. You know, I think he has a decent production profile, you know, decent efficiency profile. And, you know, I don't know what his ceiling is going to be in the NFL, uh, but but curious to hear your thoughts on him. I think Laporta is very interesting. And Thor is over his heels. Thor Nystrom um, from uh, Fantasy Pros loves him. He's also an Iowa guy. He lives right. in Minnesota. He's an <laughs> Iowa fan. So it kind of has a little bit of bias in there for him. But um, I think the, the film looks like he's a wide receiver. When I see him on the field, which is a positive note, right? Because that's where everyone's going with Kincaid. Everyone's like, oh, he looks like a receiver out there. I think he's smoothing it out of breaks. I think he's 
my term for my one word to describe Sam Laporta is just yak.com. I think that leads me to the George Kittle comp. I don't see Laporta quite on the level of George Kittle, um, but I think there's a world where he's ranked, uh, you know, ahead of a guy that I compare him to Trey McBride, where last year Trey McBride was the tight end one. I would prefer to Sam Laporta to him. And you can see kind of where that's uh, contextually laying out from this class to last class, right? If if Laporta's down here at three or four, and Trey McBride yep. was one. It shows you how much better this class is overall. And, uh, and McBride was taken in the first round, wasn't he? Was he like 25th overall, something yeah. like this? 20, right. Or something right. like that? Exactly. So, so, so that tells you that McBride might have been taken a little bit earlier just because of of a depleted tight end class last year. No, he wasn't first round. Damn. He wasn't? He was second I he was. I think I thought he was too for a second there. We got to verify that. That's the 55th pick. 55th pick, not 25th. Second round. That's right. Same thing. That's but I think that's the same area that you can expect a Sam Laporta to go in, right? I think he should probably be – that's like a that's like a floor for him, I think. Right. Okay. Oh, really? Because yeah. I was looking at him, his projection. It seemed to me like his projection was a little – actually, no, no, you're right. It, second round. That's what it seems like to me. Now, real quick, though, it's interesting because you mentioned Luke Musgrave. Do you think any of these other tight ends besides Mary Kincaid can sneak into the first round, or do you think those other guys that we mentioned are, are, are most likely second-round picks? I, I don't think you'll see – any, any, I, I know it's hard pressed for me to say more than Mayor and Kincaid because um, I don't know what the numbers are right now. I think they might have came out at like two and a half or three and a half when it when they did the first time. Right. But I, I would expect it. It's just Mayor and Kincaid, and I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me at all if it's just one of these guys. If it's just one, uh, right? To be quite frank, again, because you know we've heard positives on the Kincaid medicals, but maybe there's some negatives on Kincaid medicals, and maybe there's guys that don't have them graded that high. And on Mayor, I, I doubt people have gotten fatigued on that, but. Uh, uh, there's a world where it happens. And then you look at the last couple of years of, of the tight end draft classes and we had none go in the first round last year. We had Pitts go two years ago and then none the year before that. And then before that it was Hawkinson and Fant. And that same conversation that I was having about Darnell Washington with that person uh, was in regards to tight ends overall and the overall landscape of tight ends being compared to what we've seen from running backs for the last four years, where it's transitioned completely away because of the hit rate, right? We saw OJ Howard, we saw Hayden Hurst go in the first round, Eric Ebron, guys like this, and continually miss. And the NFL doesn't like to miss on guys like that, right? So the running backs kind of going this way and tight ends kind of right behind it. Now this class may fight against that just because of the athleticism and the abundance of talent. I could see that, but I think overall we need to just realize that tight end maybe isn't on the NFL teams uh number like on their on their list, right? Because Evan Ingram, right? He was a first round pick. He he broke out for Jacksonville this year. He was drafted by the Giants. Uh Hayden Hurst gets traded. Fant's gone. Hawkinson's gone. Like who's next? Is Pitts gonna be gone? Like these guys just don't end up uh coming through and breaking out for fantasy terms on the team that they're drafted by. So that's why NFL teams are just starting to kind of push that position down the board a little bit. No, I hear that. So I, I interrupted you with Laporta. You were in the middle of talking about him. Laporta, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> brought it back to Laporta. Um, no, I think I compared it to Trey. Yeah, we got way off on that one, didn't we? Trey McBride yeah, we, was my. <laughs> welcome to this. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome <laughs> to the podcast where we will take three, four degrees of separation, and then we'll wrap it around, and I will bring it back awkwardly to the thing that we were talking about, and just put it right on you. So. Feel free. I Go love ahead. that. I love that. Back to Trey McBride. Trey McBride's where we started. That's my comp for him on um, player profile. We got Tyler Conklin. I think we're in that same that same boat where Jordan Reed's in the top five comparables as well. Four five nine ninetieth percentile forty yard dash, uh, and the one telling 
uh, metric for tight ends is agility score, 90th percentile, 11.16 uh, agility score for Sam Laporta. He kind of fits in that same mold as a Dalton Kincaid, and I think if you're looking at a guy like Kincaid or you're worried about the injuries, you're getting a year younger in Sam Laporta. You're getting what we've seen uh, for the last 10 years out of tight ends from Iowa in Laporta. He's 246 pounds. The same frame as Kincaid, and he's got almost 1,800 yards in Iowa over the last few seasons. I think Laporta's got what it takes to kind of excel in the NFL. Like I said, yak.com. I just, I love everything he brings to the table because he looks like a wide receiver. And I think that's what a lot of people are using this Kincaid thing. He looks like a wide receiver. How about this? Sam Laporta looks like a wide receiver. How you like that? Right. Yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I do have Laporta over, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Musgrave. Sorry, I lost it. Yeah, I do have him over Musgrave, and you got him at you know, three. Like three. Yeah, I do, and okay. uh, so that's why I'm wondering, like, what? So obviously, you know, with Musgrave, you have to, you know, kind of extrapolate a little bit here, right? So what is it about Musgrave when, you, when you're looking at these two guys, and you have somebody with a profile that is, you know, you have a little bit more to work with here, right? Mm-hmm. So for for someone like me who might not be able to to translate, you know, what somebody did with less work like like what is what do you look at musgrave like what do you see in musgrave that you're like all right well i do like him a little bit over laporta somebody who might be a little bit easier to project if that makes sense a lot of it really is just traits and size uh traits and it's like i said i mentioned before projection i think that a guy like musgrave has an easier path to excelling in fantasy when you're talking about touchdowns right musgrave is a guy that i think can be dominant in the red zone and if he brings in eight nine touchdowns and sam laporta takes a little bit of time to get on the field and he only ends up with like one in a year that touchdown difference in the the, the touchdown variance can really uh help musgrave uh kind of come along faster you're also looking at a guy at six six versus six three he's got a bigger frame he's got a frame that can carry more weight and he also has the athleticism four six one for musgrave with three pounds or three inches taller and five ten pounds heavier than Laporta, who was impressive as a, as an athlete as well, and I like Laporta, but again, I just am trying to project who's going to be the best. And if I was, you know, obviously Meyer's up there and Kincaid's up there, but if there's going to be like a guy that I would say, all right, his range of outcomes is tight end one in this class, I would bet on Musgrave a little more than I would bet on Laporta, just cheerily because of those traits and uh, upside. That makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, six three is not, you know, that's definitely on the shorter end um, of the tight end spectrum. I would say. It's just a lot tougher for, for these guys to, to kind of come through. Like we've seen the year after yeah. year. I mean, I could just sit here and you can think of it off your name, but uh, John o. Smith, Jeff Swain, Evan Ingram, right. like just the Irv Smith, right? You, like year after year after year, we see the guys that are six three six four, and as much as we love them, it's a lot harder for those guys to break out than it is the guys that are six six two fifty can dominate in the run game and then in the red zone as well. So let's move on to Tucker Craft. Interesting prospect out of South Dakota State. You know, not in the FBS, right? So the level of competition is obviously inferior. So it, it, it is a little bit hard to really get an idea of what this guy is like. You know, what, you know, obviously he's going to be skipping a couple levels of competition, right? Straight and going straight into the NFL. And again, this is an athletic tight end class. You know, he's definitely one of them. You know, he wasn't used uh, downfield a whole lot, but he does, you know, offer some good after the catch ability. Um, I need some more insight when it comes to him. So what are we doing with with him? And, you know, I'm curious to know what you think in, in terms of like when you're projecting a guy like this, you know, out of the FCS, a level he might stand out out of that level, level of competition. You know, when I do project somebody, when I do want to say like, all right, how can this guy do with the next level of competition? I'm like, all right, well, maybe, you know, he he, first of all, needs to stand out right among his peers. Right. That's mm-hmm. number one. 
right? And then number two, how much by uh, you know by how much did he stand out, right? And I think he did that. But I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on him and, and how that plays into your process. Raft is an interesting one. Obviously, we have the Dallas Goddard, Dallas Goddard, uh, you know, a couple of years ago coming out of, of South Dakota State, 6'5, 255. Exactly what you want. That's like the prototypical what I wanted of a tight end. He runs under 4'7 with the 4'6972nd percentile. I absolutely love that, of course, right? 99 receptions, 1,200 yards at South Dakota State doing the job, getting the job done. Big body bruiser from a small school. I think he's got great yak ability. You look at our friends at PFF, 7.7 yards after catch per reception from Tucker Craft. That's ahead of Darnell Washington, 7.2, and other guys we talked about in this class as well. Um, I think what Craft brings to the table is that he's a consistent uh, route runner. I think he's Good in the, like I said, great in the yak. I think he's got good hands and awareness downfield. Um, I don't think he's as polished as some of these other guys, but he is very polished for being an FCS talent, which is something you don't generally see. He's been talked about over the last two seasons at South Dakota State, which normally you wait and it's like the senior year they get talked about. My problem is I come out with comps like Adam Troutman and Hunter Long's the best comparable on player profiler. And I've been fans of both of those guys over the last four years. (laughs) And I'm like, uh, but I think Kraft yeah. is a guy that can excel at the next level. He's got a, a good uh, colleague in, in Dallas Goddard. It's already in the NFL, and he's excelled. He's a top-ten tight end now in the NFL, and I think it's a guy that you can kind of get under his wing and learn from, similar to how, these, uh, how all these Iowa guys have kind of progressed in the NFL. And I think he's got the, the traits and the intangibles to kind of do that. Um, again, being a tight end, got to be a good blocker, good after catch, and uh, be a red zone threat. Those are like the big three things that I kind of look at um, for these guys. And it's it's tough to look at a guy in the FCS and project him here. But South Dakota State is starting to overtake North Dakota State as a powerhouse in the FCS right. level. And Tucker Craft has been a big part of that. All right, man. Um, now, are there any guys? Now, we didn't mention a bunch of guys. Most likely day three. Um, I'm curious to know whether you think there's a guy that we didn't mention who might end up sneaking into day two. Right in a you know deep, quote unquote deep tight end class, so keep that in mind. Um, and we'll get to that statement in a second. But are there other guys that you think are worth you know mentioning? Um, you know who might either go early day three or might sneak into uh, you know late day two. I mean, you look at Mike Kosecki. Mike Kosecki was the 42nd overall pick in his draft. He was 6'6", 257 pounds. He was athletic. He had fourteen hundred career uh, receiving yards at Penn State. You look at Zach Koontz. Zach Koontz started his career at Penn State. He went to Old Dominion after the offensive coordinator from Penn State went to Old Dominion and became the head coach. He's almost 24 years old. Yikes. But he's 6'7", 255, and he ran a 4'5", and he is the number one all-time athleticism score at playerprofiler.com, 120.1. Again, that is among 459 tight ends all time. He's a number one athleticism score ahead of Mike Kosecki, his best comparable. I think that uh, Koontz is a guy that he was highly recruited out of high school. He's a four-star prospect. I think he's limited after the catch due to balance. I think he's a little tall. Obviously, he's 6'7", six, 6'8", six, just kind of like Darnell Washington. I think he's going to struggle to be anything better than a, a, just a big-body target with a great radius. Um, but I think he's he's electric at the combine. The, the problem is the 4-5 speed didn't show up as much on tape for me. Um, but I think it's a guy that if you're projecting, he's a guy that can project pretty well. And then one other name I'll just throw out there, uh, Daniel Barker from Michigan State didn't have athleticism testing as high as I wanted or expected at Michigan State, but he did uh, He did produce at Illinois and Michigan State uh, during his time in college. I'm just going to throw his name out there just to uh, remember that one so that after your draft, maybe you have taxi squad, throw on a taxi squad. Exactly. 
Exactly, exactly. And, you know, Zach Coons to me is the one that really stands out for sure. You know, he's the guy that I was thinking when I asked you the question. Uh, you mentioned, like, you know, probably the most athletic tight end that we've seen in a long time. Uh, and probably one of the most we've seen, the most athletic tight ends that yeah. we've seen. But, you know, we should also keep in mind that in 2021, he also had a big, he had a pretty big year, 73 catches, 692 yards and five touchdowns outside the power five. But you know, still, still, you know, in in the FBS, um, pretty efficient, two point one six yards per route run. Um, that was only behind Isaiah Likely and Trey McBride. Um, you know, considering how many targets that he had, but those guys were considered. You know, would you say that those guys were considered better tight ends than Coons? Like, if you look at uh, guy prospects like Isaiah Likely and Trey McBride, would you say that like Trey McBride probably a more complete tight end? I would say. Uh, but just curious to know where where would Coons fall? And, you know, since this is a deep tight end class, like, would you say that he might have been in the upper echelon of, like, last year's class, for example? Let me pull up last year's class because I know uh, there's a guy that that does come up on his comp list, and that is Charlie Kohler. Uh, when we're oh, talking yeah. about athlet- athleticism from Iowa State, if I pull right. up my 2022 grades here, I know I had Trey McBride one, I had Greg Dulcich two, and then the athleticism comes into Charlie Kohler at, at four and Grant Calcaterra. Right. So I think he he would, as far as as far as Kuntz goes, I think he probably would have slotted in that probably three spot. Uh, between right. Dulcich and Kelkatera, if I had to project right now. And if I look at his grade, I have him with a 6.57, and that would be tight end five right next to Jelani Woods. So it's right in that same same area. So, yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And and somebody, you know, who, who might have snuck in to be a day two pick last year yeah. uh, if he was part of that class. So With that really, athleticism, really I, that, that's the thing with the yeah. athleticism. I just think that, you know, like I said earlier with the NFL kind of coming off of that, how important is, is athleticism at the running back position? Pretty important. Yeah. How how important is the athleticism at the tight end position? If you're going to start projecting guys, you got to start taking advantage of athleticism and starting to to. I mean, that's the NFL, right? If, you, if you're not athletic, you ain't going to make it. But um, being the most athletic player in the history of the tight end position, uh, at least in our database, it goes back to like 2012. Uh, pretty good. I love it, man. All right, guys. I think that's it, man. I think we covered it. I, I it was it was nice and sweet. We covered the tight ends that you kind of need to know, you know, going into the NFL draft, going into your rookie drafts. Uh, Cody, thanks a ton, man. I learned a ton. Uh, I'm actually going to listen to this episode again because there was a couple uh, pieces of information that you threw out there that I kind of like jotted down, like the timestamp on it, because because you know I'm I'm I would say I am relatively new to prospecting right i would say i really started doing this over the past three four years maybe i think i've gotten a lot better each year uh and and, you know continually trying to improve and i think people like you following you on twitter by the way carpentier at carpentier nfl on twitter that's where you find cody um but following people like you and just there's people who have been doing it for a long time and i find that i i like their process and i like how they uh approach scouting and 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 projecting and and all that and predicting how these guys are going to do in the nfl so i I think you do great work um i'm gonna have uh your twitter linked in the episode description guys uh so you know if you don't know how to spell carpentier you should you should know how to do that okay just letting you guys know so he he does a a ton of amazing work don't go into rookie drafts or the nfl draft itself without following cody uh and peeping into the work that he's done so far um and i'm sure the rest of his april is going to be very busy so thank you again cody 
Thanks for Oz. I appreciate you having me on as always. And uh, yeah, man, just uh, it's a enjoying the process. NFL draft coming up. You can go check out the uh, NFL rookie guide profile, player profile, or rookie guide over at playerprofile.com forward slash rookie dash guide. Uh, and everything I do is over at player profile. So I really appreciate you for Oz for having me on as well. And I can't look, can't look forward to seeing you again at uh, the expo or the senior bowl, wherever the hell we meet next. Yeah, man, for sure. All right, guys, we have a special guest coming on the pod later this week, followed by another special friend talking wide receivers early next week as well. You might be able to take a guess at who that might be. It would mean the world to me if you can hit that follow button on your podcast app. It takes two seconds. Feel free to go do that right now. But until next episode, appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Later. Later.